This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, February 25th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The Federal Reserve faces increasing scrutiny for its shift from monetary policy into credit allocation. Lawrence White is editor of a new Cato Institute volume, Renewing the Search for a Monetary Constitution. We spoke following an event for the book held today. Where are we right now with respect to understanding of the the Federal Reserve having perhaps too much discretion? It seems like a few years ago, Ron Paul was essentially the only guy really making this argument. And now uh, there are several people in Congress who are making the argument that uh, we should probe a little more deeply into how the Fed does what it does. Yeah, I find that very encouraging. We've got people talking about having a new National Monetary Commission, which would be like the National Monetary Commission of 1910 that examined what was wrong with the financial system and how to fix it, what was wrong with the banking system and how to fix it. Unfortunately, they came up with the Federal Reserve System, but uh, we've just had a financial crisis that should force us to re-examine what the Fed's been doing. I think the evidence is pretty strong that the Fed was a major catalyst to the housing bubble that collapsed and gave us the financial crisis. Uh, and so people are starting to discuss ways to uh, constrain the Fed's activities. Uh, and there are lots of options, so there's lots to discuss. We can't go backward, and perhaps we don't want to, but what should our monetary system look like, and what do you mean when you say monetary constitution? So a monetary constitution can be thought of as having two features. One is specifying what the government may do with respect to money, and the second part specifying what it may not do. So the U.S. Constitution has provisions of both kinds, powers to the federal government and restrictions on the powers of the federal government, explicit restrictions. So exactly how the monetary constitution ought to look, uh, different people have different views. The people in the volume uh, that I edited have an agreement that there ought to be some kind of constraints, that we don't want to continue to live under completely discretionary monetary policy, but there are different views about how best to constrain it. Uh, So my own approach is a kind of Uh, root and branch replacement of the monetary system uh, would be desirable if we could get it. Uh, I don't expect we'll get it in my lifetime, but we need to think about what it would mean to have a system without a central bank in order to have that available if we need it and in order to think about what kind of uh, performance we ought to hold the Fed to. They should do at least as well as a system in which they don't exist. Um, So that would mean, I mean, my proposal is uh, a commodity standard with free banking, that is banks issuing the ordinary day-to-day currency, constrained by competition, uh, constrained by the clearing system to issue uh, moderate amounts of money such that no bank uh, gets out of line. And that kind of system worked well historically. So in my chapter of the book, I provide some evidence of that. Other people have proposals that work with the existing central bank but give it a more explicit set of guidelines. So for example, 
it should aim at price stability. That's uh, Jim Buchanan's proposal. Or it should aim at uh, stable total spending in the economy. That's uh, Bill Woolsey's proposal. Uh, but it should be held accountable for having these targets and meeting them. Imagine a world where uh, Bitcoin is far more robust than it is now, where it is uh, in common use and is to some extent effectively competing with uh, Federal Reserve notes for everyday transactions. To what extent do you see Bitcoin as having uh, something of a disciplining effect on uh, monetary policy as it's currently practiced in the United States? Well, it has that potential if it became very popular. Uh, the great thing about Bitcoin, the really clever thing about Bitcoin is that the quantity, the total quantity of Bitcoins in circulation is predetermined by a computer program. Everybody, it's it's known and it's uh, publicly available information sort of what the quantity path is going to be. And that's kind of inspiring for those of us who have been thinking about how do we write down a set of instructions. Well, well, here it is. It's written down. Uh, it's not instructions for an authority. It's a program such that it governs the quantity of bitcoins in circulation. Uh, if the quantity is on this fixed path, predetermined path, and the use of bitcoin grows, then that's going to make each bitcoin more valuable. And that was what was happening up to a few months ago and when now it, currently there's been a lull in the value of Bitcoin. But people keep working on ways to make it more useful as an ordinary medium of exchange, right, to buy your lunch with Bitcoin. Uh, so if, if it catches on then and its value is appreciating rather than falling, then the competitive discipline that would impose on the Fed is if the Fed wants to lose customers, then they have to keep their money more reliable in its purchasing power. Uh, it, it would be similar to the constraint that's placed on Latin American central banks who are issuing their own pesos. If the public has the option to adopt US dollars when the inflation rate gets too high, that's an incentive for them not to get let the inflation rate get so high. The persistent problem that uh, I think of whenever I think of the government trying to essentially tie its own hands uh, with respect to money, the issuance of money, and the actions of uh, Federal Reserve members who are expected to do something at very specific moments in time. Is there, a, in, in your eyes, a credible means to actually provide that kind of uh, self-hand tying? So currently, the Federal Reserve has announced that they're going to uh, that they have a target of 2% inflation, no higher. But it's an announcement they made and it's one that they can undo at any time. There's no real constraint there. It would be better if there were a legislative uh, proposal or sorry, a legislative act that instructed them not to let inflation exceed 2% and they were held accountable for it in some way if there were some penalty for it. So in some countries that have adopted inflation targeting, there is that kind of a, a penalty. The central bank governor doesn't get uh, reappointed or uh, the salary is specified in nominal terms. So the more inflation there is, the less it buys for the central bank governor, something like that. It would be even better if it were embedded in the constitution so that 
even Congress couldn't change it um, without going through a constitutional amendment process. But <clears throat> I, I mean, I think there are I think constitutions do have some effect. At, at the very least, they provide a kind of line in the sand so that the public can tell when the government is overstepping its bounds and serves as a kind of a rallying point to say, no, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, I guess ultimately we depend on, you know, the what we depend on for other ways of constraining the government, which is population, uh, the voting public has to express themselves uh, in order to constrain our government. But I think it would help to have uh, these constraints, to have some kind of constraints on the Fed that are embodied in law or even better in a constitution. For our more hardcore listeners, to what extent can we hope that a monetary constitution will simply replace a central bank in the future? Well, so one version of a monetary constitution would be Congress shall create no money or – I mean that, that's in the constitution for state governments, right? State governments in the US constitution are prohibited from issuing bills of credit. We could do the same thing with the federal government. And the provision that says states may not declare anything but uh, gold or silver in legal tender could also be applied to the federal government uh, through a constitutional amendment. And then we would have a commodity standard with uh, everyday money being issued by private commercial banks rather than by a federally owned uh, central bank. Some people in the White House and some advisors to uh, specifically President Obama have called this uh, move to audit the Fed dangerous. And I think a lot of people who are opposed to it have essentially fundamentally misrepresented what the actual uh, legislation would do. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, I haven't read the bill, but as I understand it, uh, it requires the Fed to disclose who they're lending money to, which seems to me to be unobjectionable. Uh, we learned from the partial audit that accompanied the Dodd-Frank Act that the Fed had been lending a lot of money to foreign banks, foreign commercial banks during the financial crisis at very low interest rates. That surprised a lot of people. And recently, outside that audit, due to a Freedom of Information Act uh, suit brought by Bloomberg News, we learned that during the financial crisis, the Fed had standby lines of credit for Citibank and Bank of America who were large banks considered teeter teetering on the brink of insolvency. That sort of thing should be public information. That shouldn't be the Fed's call to run bailout operations with essentially taxpayers' money. Uh, so when the Fed veers from monetary policy into credit allocation policy, holding them accountable for the decisions they make is a very minimal uh, restriction, I think. I, I think it would be better to prohibit that kind of lending and Dodd-Frank had a provision which limits it a little bit. Uh, but asking the Fed to reveal uh, who it's lending to on what terms seems to me to be a, a restriction on credit policy rather than a restriction on monetary policy. You can, the Fed can run monetary policy just by buying and selling T-bills. Right? So it's no constraint on monetary policy uh, that's being proposed as I understand. I agree with people who say we don't want uh, 
Congress acting as a backseat driver for monetary policy. But I think we do want Congress holding the Fed accountable uh, for its credit policy decisions and for its monetary policy decisions. I mean, somebody has to hold them accountable. Lawrence White is co-editor of the Cato Institute's new book, Renewing the Search for a Monetary Constitution. You can get your copy at Cato.org.